Welcome to PD Insider, the podcast edition. In each episode, we bring you conversations with experts in the law firm professional development community so that you can stay current on industry trends, topics, and innovations. In this episode, PLI's Craig Miller speaks with Tim Henderson of Finnegan, Henderson, Faribault, Garrett, and Dunner. Tim shares his insights on implementing effective attorney performance evaluation systems. He discusses his innovative methods for ensuring objectivity and transparency and making performance evaluations meaningful for every member of the firm. Welcome, Tim. We're pleased to have you here today. I'm pleased to be here. Thank you. According to SHRM, the Society for Human Resource Management, doing away with formal performance reviews is a trend that continues to grow. Informal check-ins are reported to be on the rise. One example is Accenture famously announcing the elimination of performance reviews and rankings. Is the annual review and performance evaluation process still relevant? Has a project-based evaluation model or something else even superseded it for law firms? The performance evaluation process is still very relevant. Uh, I do think project-based evaluations have a place in today's uh, legal workplace, corporate workplace, and so on. But I don't think they've necessarily fully supplanted the annual performance review process. Uh, at Finnegan, we are contemplating uh, a hybrid of the two where we would have the real-time feedback as part of each project that an associate or an attorney performed, as well as having a, a performance evaluation process that occurs annually or semi-annually. So there were lots of reasons that companies and law firms adopted the performance review process in the first place and really embedded it into the uh, management systems of the firm. Uh, often it's to make sure everyone's aligned in terms of strategy and goals for the organization. Uh, is that still the case? I would say so, uh, definitely. And I think for purposes of promotion, elevation, compensation, uh, and overall performance management, they're still quite relevant in terms of having a, an effective paper trail and documentation about an individual's performance. Absolutely. I mean, you want to create expectations, uh, monitor progress. Uh, I suppose you can have check-ins along the way to provide feedback. But uh, ultimately, in, in, in the, most of the systems I've been familiar with, you do, at the end of, at the close of the year, provide some type of rating and some form of ranking, perhaps, as well, so people know how they stack up against their peers. Right, right. Uh, at our firm, for instance, we have uh, evaluations based on work quality as well as internal and external citizenship. And so we look at not just the legal analysis, judgment, and writing abilities of our attorneys, but also their office practice skills, their ability to manage and supervise people who are junior to them, as well as externally facing how they interact with professional communities and promote themselves in the firm externally. So that's really interesting. So you've really divided it up, in a sense, into work quality and citizenship? Correct. And also, do you tier that structure so that as people are progressing through their career at the firm, that you look at them in, through a sort of different lens? Absolutely. We have tiered competencies based on level of experience. It ranges from a student associate level, which is an entry level. They're law students who work while going to school, all the way up to the senior associate level. And the competencies are gradi there's a gradation upward as they become more senior. 
So, you know, the expectations, for instance, for marketing and business development for a junior associate is quite different than what's expected of a senior associate. And uh, could you comment, what about the role of pro bono activity when it comes to the reviews? Right. So much like many firms, we have a pro bono credit that uh, associates can get up to 100 hours of credit for their pro bono work towards their billable target. And so from a metric standpoint, that does allow the associates to meet that metric of billable hours and quantitative performance. But from a skill development perspective, it's big because they might be standing up in a jury trial or they might be uh, developing some client relationship skills that's not always easy to get in a big ANDA pharmaceutical litigation or in a, a big ITC case. So um, it's looked at, very, looked at very favorably, and I think the partners understand the importance of the skill development that the associates are getting through the pro bono programs. So what are the basic tenets to consider when implementing an effective attorney performance evaluation system? There's a lot. I think, first of all, you have to have ownership from all constituents. There's the associates and the, the students who are being evaluated, as well as the partners and the supervisors who are evaluating the performers. And when I say buy-in, I think awareness of what the criteria are. That's a big deal. And uh, I think they need to be transparent. They need to be readily available to both audiences. So the evaluators know how they're evaluating people and on what criteria they're evaluating folks. And the uh, reviewees also need to know how they're being evaluated. So do they know, this, does the reviewee know upfront going into that year what by what criteria and standard they'll be judged? They do. So as part of the evaluation meeting that we have each year, the reviewee or the evaluatee receives a comprehensive evaluation guideline packet that contains uh, the competencies and the expectations for both the work quality that we talked about as well as the citizenship we talked about. Oh, great. So everyone understands what the rubric is and, uh, and they, they're prepared when the time comes at the end of the year or during the check-ins to know how they're being monitored. Right. And I think another tenet is setting uh, reasonable timelines for people to get their work done. So uh, self-evaluations, for instance, we give the associates over a month to complete their self-evaluations. Uh, the supervisors have a few weeks to complete their input online and then there's time after that to provide input either verbally or at open houses that we provide for our partners to provide input on other associates and people that they're reviewing. You talked about gathering input from multiple sources? Yes. It can be uh, through an app, it can be through a computer, and they provide answers to very quick short questions about that individual's performance. Uh, if we don't capture the evaluation feedback through the online system, uh, we have review partners who will be designated to do follow-up with people who have not provided their input and get a full picture and a robust uh, perspective on that individual's performance for the past year. Uh, in addition to that, we've set up something that's a bit unique, I think, at a partner retreat. Uh, on the Sunday morning of our partner retreat, we'll have a big conference room where the review partners will, much like a career expo, have a table, and people can come up and provide additional feedback if, not, if they've not already done so. So I, I think that's allowed us to capture uh, this feedback in a myriad of ways, and it also allows 
uh, people to kind of give that candid feedback that's essential for good performance feedback. That's interesting. It seems really innovative. Could you talk a little bit more about the, re the role of the review partner? Sure. So when I started at the firm, we did all of our review performance or performance reviews by practice group, which I think is fairly common in the law firm setting, uh, where the practice group leader would lead a discussion at the partner retreat each year, and they would provide feedback for all of the people in their group. What we found is that people were moving across groups to do work. And you know these are internal administrative practice groups for many respects where uh, we'll have attorneys working outside of his or her group quite frequently, outside of their technology area. And so what we often found is if the, with the silo effect of the practice group meetings, that we weren't getting a necessarily a full-fledged, maybe not the objective perspective we wanted on performance. And so four years ago, we implemented what we called review partner committees. Not a very fancy name, but it, it sounds like what it is. So uh, we have tiered review partner committees based on level of experience, ranging from the student associate, junior, mid-level, and senior associate committees. And uh, these are rotating committees. We try to get as many partners involved. Uh, they're staggered terms. and. Uh, we intentionally assign a review partner outside of the associate's practice group to be the review partner. And the reason we've done that is to lend a very high level of objectivity to the process. We also thought that at the partnership admission stage, we were doing that routinely where associates up for partner would be reviewed by people outside of their practice group. They'd be reviewed by the compensation committee. So we thought this would be a good way to emulate at a very early stage of one's career that model of objectivity and interactivity with different practice group partners. So that's really interesting. So the, the person actually delivering the review, review is not the line supervisor of the individual Correct. who's being reviewed. Um, and that's also a technique or a mechanism that you use to uh, address questions about objectivity yes. and making sure there's alignment across different practice groups and departments within the firm. Yes. So the review partner committees uh, are designated each year uh, there's some holdovers from the prior year, so there's that level of knowledge and experience, so you have people who can kind of tutor the new members of the committees. Uh, of course, the professional development team is there as a coordinator and orchestrator of all of the committees, and uh, they'll meet, they will discuss across the same level of experience, these uh, associates uh, discuss each individual and make sure that they're not uh, lending preference to one practice group over another. Um, and you find that too with practice groups that some were, uh, for lack of a better term, easier graders or harder graders than others. And so uh, if you were in one practice group or another, sometimes you would sometimes have inflated scores or rankings, sometimes you'd have deflated rankings, depending on the practice group you were in. So we're, we wanted to kind of diminish that and have more objectivity. Is there any use of a, a bell curve or stack rankings of, of sorts? Or? There's no quotas in, in our system. It's based individually on, on the performance of the individual. And so you, you start to talk about the role of the PD department in the process. 
uh, to make sure, I guess, to make sure the process happens and right. flows uh, appropriately and on time. Right. And, and uh, I'm sure it's time to uh, ultimately towards the compensation planning piece. Uh, th does it dovetail with compensation planning? It does. So we have a spring performance review process that does not dovetail with the uh, compensation process. That's for people who have been in their position two years or fewer, or people who have had performance concerns from the past review cycle. In the fall, everyone's reviewed, and that is the one that's tied into the compensation process. And so uh, the PD's role, PD team's role, I should say, uh, in all of this is certainly to facilitate the mechanics of it, to set up the processes and the online modules, to uh, facilitate the partner open houses, to make sure people are doing what they should be doing, providing their input. But even more importantly, I think the PD team has played uh, a bit of a arbiter role in these review partner committees too, to you know, make sure that people are accessing all of the data that they need to be accessing to give a full-fledged review, making sure people are aware of the expectations when they deliver the review. Uh, some of those might include being candid about where the feedback has come from. Uh, not that long ago, there was a time when many of the partner advisors, when they gave a review, would simply say, um, some people think that your writing could be improved, rather than saying, on this specific project, this specific partner thought that you should have written this particular piece a little differently, and here's why. So we provide, uh, much like we do with the associates, we provide a bit of a workshop at the partner retreat to those review partners to let them know what the expectations are. Oh, good, so you help them be better reviewers yep. in the process and understand that specificity uh, is, is much more valuable and, and delivers sort of actionable things that people know what to look at and what to improve on. Right, and we also have uh, a vibrant PD team, fortunately, at the firm, and we schedule all of the review meetings, which in the past, it was kind of a catch-as-catch-can uh, approach where we'd instruct the partner advisors, go do your reviews, and the follow-up was not always there. And sometimes people got a review, sometimes they didn't get a review. So now it's a mandatory meeting that we monitor very closely. And also in terms of consistency, do you look at things like the language used to express certain ideas, whether positive or uh, room for improvement sort of ideas? Absolutely. We'll uh, scour the review documents to make sure there's nothing inappropriate or inappropriately biased or uh, something that might broach in terms, you know, broach into some areas of concern. What kind of milestones do you look for in the review process? I would imagine things like billable hours would play a role. There may be other important experiences or milestones that, uh, that you want to see junior attorneys develop with. Sure, and again, it kind of tiers by level. So uh, as a junior attorney, for instance, realization rates aren't necessarily that uh, carefully examined, but as they become more senior, uh, it's not it's one factor that the attorneys might look at when they're reviewing someone, but uh, not a senior attorney might have much more of an expectation in terms of efficiency than someone who's just starting at the firm. But um, some of the milestones we look at are practice milestones. So we're an all IP firm, as you mentioned earlier. We have very specific categories related to patent litigation, trademark litigation, 
PTAB, which is the Patent Trial and Appeal Board practice, prosecution and counseling practice. And so the associates, when they do their self-evaluation, are expected each year to update their milestones and enter their milestones, much like a resume. So the goal in all of that is the review partners, the partner advisors, the practice group leaders are expected to monitor those milestones and the progression of those milestones to make sure that someone's not just caught at a certain level and not moving upwardly. Um, an example might be uh, a seventh year going through a, a milestone review right before partnership admission and you find that that person's done document review or privilege logs but not much else in terms of substantive high skill level work. That's the purpose of the milestones is to make sure you know, kind of self-check for the associates and their advisors to make sure they're moving forward. And is it the responsibility of the associate to reach out and to try to get that kind of experience? It is, with the coordination and the guidance of their practice group leader and their advisors, certainly. But, you know, as with any uh, industry, I think particularly in the legal industry, there is a component of a free market enterprise where that sense of proactivity and entrepreneurship can really help you, and we expect our folks to do that. To what extent have you incorporated sort of the project evaluation or the sort of just-in-time feedback into this process as well? You know, we do it now with our summer associates. That's how we've started to employ it, uh, where they get real-time feedback on their um, projects. Um, so it's every project, they get an evaluation completed. And my vision is that that will not supplant or replace the annual performance review. Instead, it will supplement it. And I envision that uh, if you know, the associate will have the capability of sending a link to his or her project supervisor or supervisors and ask them to complete a two or three question questionnaire about their performance on that particular uh, project. And then all of that feedback will be funneled into uh, a database that can be employed and kind of utilized in the annual performance review. Uh, I'm a little skeptical about doing away with the annual review completely, and so I see they can go hand in hand and be a tandem type of thing. And generally you feel like the results you've been achieving with, with the process have been the desired results? I do. Uh, our ultimate desire was to ensure that people had a very strong, keen understanding of where they stood in terms of their progression and development within the firm. And I think, you know, there's always room for improvement and continuous quality improvement, but I've, it's much better than it was before because number one, everyone's getting a review. Number two, I think there's a much broader sense about how to give a substantive on point specific review. And third, we have a higher level of objectivity in the review process. Do the um, reviewees, they tend to feel like they've gotten good advice or useful, actionable information that will help them be better at their job? I, overall, yes. I think the feedback's been very positive. Uh, we've provided talking points, the professional development team, to all of the reviewees as well to really impress upon them that it's a two-way exchange, that they can't passively sit back and let this information wash over them but instead we give them questions and examples that they should bring up and tease out of the reviewer if they're not getting that information during the review meeting. So, uh, you know, we're coaching on both sides of the fence to try to make sure that it's a, a conversation rather than sitting there and waiting for something to happen. 
and it's interesting. And ultimately, of course, in law firms, uh, you know, the brass ring of, is is partnership. Uh, how does the uh, how do the reviews factor into partnership decision making? That's a great question. So, uh, for the partnership admission process, we have a very similar committee. It's called the PARPER Committee, Partnership Admission and Partnership Elevation Committee. It's a five share partner committee that employs a very similar process to what we just talked about in terms of uh, assigning review partners to people outside of their practice group. Uh, and then the documentation they receive is quite important because we give them two years of performance data. That includes financial data, uh, obviously billable and non-billable data, as well as the evaluation reports that we've compiled over the past two-year period. Uh, it's a wonderful paper trail. Uh, you know, eight years ago, when I sat through my first partnership admission meeting, there was a lot of quick page turning and frantic searching for uh, data points. And so now, you know, the amount of information is so comprehensive. And I think it makes the process more streamlined. I think it makes it more educated and much more comprehensive. All right. Uh, anything else? Any predictions for you think how this might go in the future? You know, I think this project-based evaluation process has a lot of merit. And I do think uh, we're entering into uh, working with a couple of generations that are used to having that real-time, constant feedback. And so I do think they're crucial. And I think it's something that the law firm world will implement. I'm still not of the mindset, though, that it's going to do away with the performance evaluation process. It may change it, but it's not going to do away with it in the future. I will thank you very much. I'd like to thank my guest, Tim Henderson, Chief Recruitment and Professional Development Officer at Finnegan for sharing his insights. We look forward to you joining us for another edition of PLI's PD Insider. This is Craig Miller of the Practicing Law Institute. Thank you.